John Norton, Chapter Thirteen of Celibates by George Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James Carson. The day grew into afternoon. She awoke from a dreamless sleep of about an hour, and still under its soothing influence, she pinned up her hair, settled the ribbons of her dressing gown, and went downstairs. She found her father and John in the drawing room. Oh, here is Kitty! They exclaimed. "'But what is the matter, dear? Why are you not dressed?' said Mr. Hare. "'But what is the matter? Are you ill?' said John, and he extended his hand. "'No, no, tis nothing,' she replied, and, avoiding the outstretched hand with a shudder, she took the seat furthest away from her father and lover. They looked at her in amazement, and she at them in fear and trembling. She was conscious of two very distinct sensations, one the result of reason, the other of madness.' She was not ignorant of the causes of each, although she was powerless to repress one in favour of the other. She knew she was looking at and talking to her dear, kind father, and that the young man sitting next to him was John Norton, the son of her dear friend Mrs. Norton. She knew he was the young man who loved her, and whom she was going to marry. At the same time she seemed to see that her father's kind, benign countenance was not a real face, but a mask which he wore over another face, and which, should the mask slip, and she prayed that it might not, would prove as horrible and revolting as... But the mask that John wore was as nothing, it was the veriest make-believe, and she could not but doubt now, but that the face she had known him so long by was a fictitious face, and as the hallucination strengthened, she saw his large, mild eyes grow small, and that vague, dreamy look turned to the dull, liquorish look. The chin came forward, the brows contracted, the large, sinewy hands were, oh, so like. Then reason asserted itself, the vision vanished, and she saw John Norton as she had always seen him. But was she sure that she did? Yes yes, but her head seemed to be growing lighter, and she did not appear to be able to judge things exactly as she should. A sort of new world seemed to be slipping like a painted veil between her and the old. John and Mr. Hare looked at her. John at length rose, and he said, My dear Kitty, I am afraid you are not well. She strove to allow him to take her hand, but she could not overcome the instinctive feeling which caused her to shrink from him. "'Don't come near me. I cannot bear it,' she cried. "'Don't come near me, I beg of you.' More than this she could not do, and, giving way utterly, she shrieked and rushed from the room. She rushed upstairs. She stood in the middle of the floor, listening to the silence, her thoughts falling about her like shaken leaves. It was as if a thunderbolt had destroyed the world and left her alone in a desert. The furniture of the room, the bed, the chairs, the books she loved, seemed to have become as grains of sand, and she forgot all connection between them and herself. She pressed her hands to her forehead and strove to separate the horror that crowded upon her. But all was now one horror. The lonely hills were in the room, the grey skies, the green firs, the tramp. She was again fighting furiously with him, and her lover and her father and all sense of the world's life 
grew dark in the storm of madness. A step was heard on the stairs. Her quick ears caught the sound, and she rushed to the door to lock it, but she was too late. John held it fast. "'Kitty, Kitty!' he cried. "'For God's sake, tell me what is the matter.' "'Save me! Save me!' she cried, and she forced the door against him with her whole strength. He was, however, determined on questioning her, on seeing her, and he passed his head and shoulders into the room. "'Save me! Save me! Help! Help!' she cried, retreating from him. "'Kitty, Kitty, what do you mean? Say! Say! Save me! Oh, mercy! Mercy! Let me go, and I will never say I saw you. I will not tell anything. Let me go!' she cried retreating towards the window for heaven's sake kitty take care the window the window but kitty heard nothing knew nothing was conscious of nothing but a mad desire to escape the window was lifted high high above her head and her face distorted with fear she stood amid the soft greenery of the virginia creeper save me she cried the white dress passed through the green leaves and john heard a dull thud End of John Norton, Chapter 13, Recording by James Carson.